you know, on your notes up there, I have a prayer and feasting. Amen. How many of you know, when we talk about fasting, some, sometimes we already get a bellyache when we start thinking of fasting, and everybody starts thinking about all the, the donuts and all the fried chicken we're going to be missing and all these things, and, and all the barbecued ribs Sammy, that Sammy makes down here. And uh, you know, one of, one of the most important things, do you know God never intended for fasting to be a time where you think about what you're not going to get? And uh, he really intended fasting to be a feast. It's where God opens your eyes and he begins to feed you with a spiritual bread. He begins to feed your heart. He begins to open your life. And uh, when we begin to make a little shift in our attitude, and when we begin to come to know what God is saying, I, I've had a lot of people, in fact, I'll tell you, I, I've met so many people. In fact, do you know there's hardly a religion around the world that does not involve some form of fasting? But there's so many that fast for the wrong reasons. And uh, many people, I, I call it a spiritual hunger strike. Some people go on a hunger strike yeah, they, they, I don't call it fasting, it's a hunger strike. In other words, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go on a fast because I want God to do something for me. So they, they, it's, a, it's a way of manipulating God. And how many of you know you don't manipulate God? But uh, before we get into this, I, I had to read something to you. I thought this was a little interesting. Uh, it says, uh, bagpipes for a funeral. It says, as a bagpiper, I play at many gigs, and recently I was asked by a funeral director to play at a grade five service for a homeless man. He had no family or friends, so the service was to be at a pauper cemetery in Ontario in the back country. And as I was not familiar with the backwoods, I got lost, and being the typical man that I was, I didn't even stop and ask for directions. I finally arrived an hour late and saw the funeral uh, guy uh, had, had evidently had gone and the hearse was nowhere in sight. There, and there was only the diggers and the crew left and they were uh, eating lunch. I felt pretty bad and I apologized to the men for being late and I went to the side of the grave and looked down and the vault at the vault lid was already in place and I didn't know what else to do so I started to take my bagpipes out and I begin to play. The workers put down their lunches and begin to gather around and I played out my heart and soul for this man with no family or friends and I played like I never played before for this homeless individual. And as I played Amazing Grace, the workers begin to weep and they wept, and I wept, and we all wept together. Then when I finished and I packed up my bagpipes and started for my car, though my head hung low, my heart was full, and as I opened the door to my car, I heard one of the workers say, I've never seen nothing like this before. I've been putting in septic tanks for 20 years, and apparently <laughs> I'm lost. It's a man thing. <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. <laughs> Anyway, we needed a good funny this morning, amen? But, back to the Word of God this morning. How many of you have ever fasted and prayed and seen God do breakthroughs in your life? Anybody ever fasted and prayed? Well, I, I have done it uh, myself for several years, but I want to take you into your Bible this morning into 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 and 5. It says, For the weapons of our warfare are carnal, but mighty. Are not carnal, but mighty in God. Notice what it says. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. In other words, they're not natural. In other words, you cannot... The weapons that we use are not weapons that the world understands. But he says, but they are mighty. Everyone say mighty. The Apostle Paul is speaking to a church, and he's talking about spiritual warfare, and he says, our weapons are mighty for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into thought 
every captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Now the Apostle Paul is letting this church, this early church, know that there are times where we as believers need to know how to fight. Amen. How many of you know it's important to fight the right battle? Do you believe it's possible for you to be in a, in a situation where you're fighting on the wrong battlefield? I, I've said this in marriage counseling. So many times we end up fighting each other instead of fighting the real uh, uh, enemy that's working in our minds. The Bible says that Satan comes and he begins to shoot fiery darts. The Bible says here that these weapons are for pulling down strongholds. And so Paul is saying here that every believer needs to know, how many of you know we need to know what our weapons are? Amen? If you don't know how to use your weapon, you're going to be taken real easily. And Paul says that we need to know how to use our weapons. Jump over with me into Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6. I want you to see what Jesus, one of those weapons we're going to be talking about this morning is prayer and fasting. In Matthew chapter 6, this is the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is speaking to followers here, and he is talking to his followers, and he is speaking to them, and he begins to talk about various subjects, treasures in heaven, the lamp of the body, how to pray. But then in verse 16, Matthew chapter 6, verse 16, Jesus says, Moreover, moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites who with sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that, may, that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say unto you, they will have their reward. In other words, they may get some accolades from man. And that's it. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your Father, who is in, in the secret place. And your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you openly. Now, there's a word here that I think is a very important word. It's in verse 16 and verse 17. It's a key word, and it's the word when. Notice it does not say that if you fast, but it says when. Everyone say when. When you fast. In other words, he is saying that to every believer, fasting and prayer is to be a part of our life and our walk doesn't say if you fast it says when you fast now i know that in the message of grace today a lot of people say well pastor i don't need to live the crucified life we're already dead to sin absolutely we're already dead to sin but fasting and prayer is not just about killing the old man that's it's a lot bigger than that we know that that we've crucified the old man this has nothing to do with righteousness It has nothing to do with gaining points with God. It has nothing to do. I I believe that there are some myths about fasting. Let me give you some myths. One myth is, is the more I fast, the more spiritual I become. That's a myth. Let me tell you something. The reason why you're spiritual is because what Jesus has already done. It's not because of what you can do. Fasting and prayer doesn't make you more spiritual. Fasting and prayer doesn't gain greater favor from God. It doesn't do that. Fasting and prayer was not to make God smile at you. Some people believe, and this is another myth, some people believe that fasting and prayer is a way for me to do penance. I need to pay for the bad behavior and the sin, so I need to lose some uh, pounds, and I need to suffer by missing some meals, and I hope God can see me suffer so he will smile upon me and answer my prayers. That's a myth, and that's a wrong way to approach fasting. Fasting and prayer 
needs to be approached. And this message this morning is to be intended to be more of a practical approach. But Jesus is stating not only when you fast, but he says that when we fast, our motives need to be right. Amen? We're going to be dealing with motives. But one thing also he brings out in this passage, that he says when people fast and they have the right motive, and it's not to be seen of men. The Bible says your father who sees in secret will reward. Everyone say reward. The purpose of fasting is to bring about rewards. How many of you like rewards? <laughs> God wants to reward you. He wants to bring rewards. He wants to bless you in ways, and it's many, many ways. But he's a rewarding God. He's a God who loves to work with you. Now, one of the things years ago when I was fasting in prayer, I'll tell you, uh, one of the most difficult things I had to deal with with fasting and prayer myself was just my attitude about prayer and fasting. I mean, I remember that when I used to fast and pray, I would actually get depressed before I started. I was defeated before I even got in, past the first gate. You know what I was doing? I was watching all the food channels on television. And uh, I found myself attracted, and, and one of the things, my frame of mind was wrong. Because, you see, when you begin to serve God, let me, let me tell you something about serving the Lord, just serving the Lord, walking. How many of you know that when you begin to follow Jesus, this is why Jesus said that when people follow him, he said, straight is the gate, narrow is the way, and difficult is the way. And he says, there are only a few that follow him, but many there be that go through the path of destruction. One of the reasons why following Jesus can be challenging at times is when we try to approach following Jesus from our own natural perception. And we, we need to come from a, a renewed mind perception. And that only comes as we begin to feed our faith with the knowledge of God's Word. Amen? There's many things that God asks us to do, and that's why it's so important with especially young believers when, when they begin to be introduced to Jesus and following Jesus, many times they begin to fall into the trap of trying to be good. They try to be better. They, they begin to say, all right, I'm going to stop doing bad, and now I'm going to start going to church more. Uh, I won't smoke. I won't drink. I won't go with a crowd. I won't go to clubs. And they start making all these ritual rules that just set them up for failure. You're yeah, following me this morning. You see, that's how you fail. And that's why you have so many in the body of Christ and many that just go from, from uh, in, into the entrance of the kingdom back and they fall on their face and then they eventually just give up on God. I'm not going to follow Jesus. It doesn't work. It's impossible. And part of the problem is they haven't been taught the Word of God. They haven't been taught what it is to follow Jesus. First of all, following Jesus does not mean that you do anything except receive what he's already done. You see, I have a lot of people, they'll say, Pastor, I've become a Christian, now tell me what to do. And I'll tell them, don't do nothing. It just kills them. Oh, wait a minute, i got to do something. No, no, do nothing. Just listen and receive. Just receive. How many of you know, because it's when, that's how you let the Holy Spirit do the work and change your heart. Now, yes, there's a doing. There is, there, well, the Bible says that he does call us out of dead works into good works, and there we're called into good works, but those good works are from a platform of a relationship that is empowers our life and our desires. It's not from what I must do to get there. It's from a position of victory, a position of favor, a position of his uh, a blessing on me that I begin to serve from. And so I, I, could, I could talk about prayer and fasting. I could talk about tithing. Some people today, when you talk about tithing, the first thing they think about is all the money they're going to lose. And how many of you know that tithing has nothing to do with money? It's so much bigger than that. 
I mean, when you begin to really understand the power and the principle of tithing, man, you'll find your pocketbook open up, and man, Lord, because you'll find God open the windows of heaven on you because it's so much bigger. But, but people get hung up on, what am I going to lose? Oh, my, i got to give it up. And they're missing the point. The reason is, is their eyes are blinded. They don't see it. They don't understand because they're in darkness, like fasting and prayer. I remember when I was asked to fast and pray, I began to think about, man, because I love Dunkin' Donuts. Man, I love Dunkin' Donuts. I thought, man, I can't go to Dunkin' Donuts anymore. I can't go to Burger King. Wow, I can't have those chicken wings. I mean, there was days when I would think like that. And you know what? I wouldn't make it past my second day in fasting and prayer. And the Lord said, Ray, you've got to make a shift. You've got to understand that when you fast and pray, you need to get your mind off of what you're eating, not eating, and start getting your mind on what I'm going to start feeding you as, as a result of you waiting upon me. And so I want to take you back in your Bibles into Deuteronomy chapter 8, a very powerful passage. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Now, I know this is back under the law, but it's a very important spiritual principle that God spoke to the children of Israel. Remember, when Israel came out of Egypt, God brought them into the wilderness. The wilderness was not God's perfect plan for their life. The wilderness was a place of testing and trials. It was a place where God tested them. And notice what he said in verse 2, Deuteronomy 8, 2. And he says, and you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all these ways in 40 years in the wilderness to humble you, to test you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. Well, we know that they did not keep his commandments. And even to this day, we don't keep God's commandments in our own strength. Verse 3, so he humbled you, allowed you to hunger, and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know. I, I want to stop right there. I want you to hear what God's saying here. There is a purpose for fasting. There's a purpose for hunger. God says, I brought you and I allowed you to hunger to show you some things that you do not know. In other words, when I bring my body, how many of you know that when I bring my body into fasting, there's something that happens. My body goes into weakness. How many of you know that God is attracted to weakness? The Bible says, Paul said this statement in Corinthians 10. He says, for when I am weak, I am shaky and falling apart. No, he said, when I am weak, I am strong. Everyone say strong. See, there's something about when I fast and pray. Now, I know that just goes contrary to your brain. I mean, I'm hungry. I need to eat. I need to feed something. But how many of you know that even though we are in a body that has been dead, we have been crucified, we've been buried with Jesus in baptism, how many of you know that body likes to pop back and tries to come back alive once in a while? Paul said this, that if you walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the what? The lusts of your flesh. I want you to jump over with me to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 9.27. Notice what Paul says. This is an apostle, again, speaking to his church. 1 Corinthians 9.27. He's speaking concerning his own personal walk. Verse 24, I'm going to start there. Do you not know that those who run in a race run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. How many of you would like to see some things obtained in your life? There's some things God wants you to grasp and get a hold of. Now, I know that there's, we have a lot of things the Lord has made provision for, but Paul is saying here, he's not talking about things in heaven to come. He says, I run that I may obtain it, and everyone who competes for the prize is temperate. The word temperate means operates with self-control. Everyone say self-control. There's self-control in all things, and they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore, I run this way, not with uncertainty, do I fight, not as one who's beating the air. In other words, I'm not 
making decisions and just going through life guessing. I'm not just shooting uh, from the hip. Paul says, I don't live like that. How many of you know there's a lot of Christians that kind of live life and just kind of wing it? Now, Paul is saying, I don't, uh, he is precise. He's calculated and he's seeking the Lord and he says, when I fight, verse 26, thus I fight not as one who beats there. Verse 27, but I discipline, what? My body. Everyone say my body. I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. Lest when I have preached to others on myself become disqualified. Now, he's not talking about disqualified from heaven, but he's talking about people who become disqualified because they bring a reproach because they've allowed the flesh. You and I, I don't have to go and name any names, which I won't, but you and I have heard over the years how there's been ministers of the gospel because they have compromised their life. And all of a sudden, have you noticed, they've lost their uh, I'm not saying God can't forgive and God can't restore. We believe in restoration. But they've lost something. There's something in some sense that they've lost, and that's what Paul is referring here. He says, I, I don't want to compromise and lose my ability to reach people is what he's really referring to. doesn't want to lose his witness before the lost and those ungodly. And, and so Paul here says, I discipline my body. Now he's not talking here the Apostle Paul is not talking about having a problem in his flesh. It's not what he's talking about. He's talking about the fact that he knows, that the Bible says, all those that are in the flesh cannot please God. Romans 8. The Bible says that the natural man does not receive the things of the God, of the Lord, of God because it is foolishness to him. That's why you have a lot of people today that are intellectual. The Bible says that to the Jews, Jesus, the gospel, was foolishness, or to the Greeks, he was foolishness. To the Jews, he was a stumbling block. The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit. It is foolishness to him. One of the most, the only way your eyes can be opened up to Scripture is actually when you allow your mind to be offended when God touches your heart. I have to say, I have to surrender my intellect. How many of you know we've got to learn to surrender our right, I call it the right to reason. My reasoning and my logic gets in, it, it interrupts, it, it hinders, it objects to the things of God. But Paul here says, I discipline and I bring my body under. Now, the Apostle Paul, I don't believe in any way, shape, or form, sit there, had struggles with his flesh in that sense with addiction or things of that nature. But I do believe that Paul realized when he said, I disciplined, I disciplined my body. One of the ways that you discipline is when you begin to, and it's, it's motivated by relationship. Everything is, how many of you know faith works by love? You know, just like a marriage. Uh, Ray Galligan today could go out and destroy his marriage. I could right now make stupid decisions and destroy my marriage. I could let my mind wander. I could make decisions that would just kill my marriage. I'm sure my wife may forgive me and all that, but that would be foolish. But I, I don't live in fear of compromise, but because I maintain a healthy relationship with my wife, Carol, and, and we nurture and we feed each other spiritually and emotionally, and there's healthy communication, guess what? I don't have to worry about those things because faith works by love. And when love is strong, amen, there, there's, there's an automatic discipline. When you are in love and that love is, is uh, operating in a healthy way, you're not going to find yourself being put in compromising uh, situations because the love is being nurtured. And so that's when the Apostle Paul says, I, I discipline my body. Fasting and prayer, fasting and prayer 
is not just about setting disciplines in my life, but fasting and prayer. When we begin to recognize the reward, when we begin to recognize what the Lord wants to do for us. And I want to bring you to one powerful passage. I want you to jump with me into Daniel chapter 10. Daniel chapter 10. This was a man who fasted regularly. You will find in the Bible that there, that fasting and prayer was connected with some things that is, is consistent in the Bible. You'll find that fasting and prayer was always connected with power and breakthrough. We find that fasting and prayer was part of Esther's life when she had the Jews fast and pray when, when she went before the king. We find that the complete landscape and environment was altered because of fasting and prayer. Jesus, even one day, was con uh, uh, met with a father who had an epileptic son whose disciples could not cast out this demon. And Jesus told his disciples, the reason why you were powerless, he says, bec it was because of your unbelief. And he says, Howbeit this kind does not go out but by prayer and fasting. In other words, there are demonic strongholds. Let me tell you what a demonic, a demonic stronghold is the kind of stronghold that begins, first of all, to blind. Demonic strongholds, first of all, have the power, first of all, to deceive through blindness. It blinds people. Secondly, it affects their attitude. Second, thirdly, it begins to affect their decisions and the direction of their life. Fourthly, it will always take them away from God. Pull them away from the house of the Lord. Pull them away. It's demonic. How many of you know anything that is of God? Let me tell you right now, folks. The devil will not draw you to the house of the Lord. The devil will not say to you, I think you need to fast and pray. No, the devil is going to raise every Big Mac that comes along your way. Let me tell you, I never get more, uh, anytime I've ever made a decision to fast and pray, I've noticed something. It's every time. I've noticed how there's always some reason to break the fast. There's always a reason. And I have to make a decision, I'm not going to fat. I'm not going to eat. And by the way, I'll tell you, the Doritos really look good when you're fasting and praying. The donuts are brighter. The, the, the smell, have you noticed the senses just come more alive when you're fasting and praying? I mean, I, I found myself, you know, I, you know, I used to hate asparagus. I was sitting, no kidding, I was in a hotel room fasting and praying. I happened to do something so dumb. I was just thought I'd take a break. I've been praying, reading, and fasting for several days. Well, not even, I never watch television when I'm praying and fasting. I happened to turn on the tube to the food channel. I mean, I hate to even say it. And here this, this cook was doing something with uh, asparagus. And I told my wife, I said, Carol, I've got to try this dish. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. I fell in love with asparagus. And you know what? Now I want to tell you something. I actually had the Lord speak to me about this. Because I was feeling guilty about this, you know. And the Lord spoke to me about a powerful thing that fasting and prayer does. Now listen to me, because this is a real key. There are things in your life. How many of you have ever faced things in your life that you cannot change? How many of you have faced things in your life where you've had certain desires, which in one sense are strongholds, and you say, I can't change that desire? The Lord showed me with the, I call it the asparagus principle. It's for me only, by the way. Fasting and prayer changes desires that you could not normally change in your own strength. God will give you a desire for something you never had before in fasting and prayer. Why? Because your flesh is brought into weakness. And when your flesh 
is brought into weakness, guess what? Your flesh has a direct relationship over your soul, which is your mind, will, and emotions. And when your flesh is brought into weakness, it loses the control it has over the mind, and now the mind is able to rise up and follow God. It literally, fasting and prayer, is for bringing your flesh into weakness so God can change your desires. All of a sudden, you'll find yourself wanting and liking things that you never thought you could like. Do you follow what I just said there? Just call it the asparagus principle. All of a sudden, you find God changing desires. That was the reason why in Deuteronomy, God says, I brought you into the wilderness. You know why? In the wilderness, remember, Israel was accustomed to the taste of Egyptian food. The leeks and the garlics. They were, a, they were accustomed to the world's desires. We have a culture today. We have young people growing up in our churches and married people. We are so cultured and conditioned and desensitized by our culture. And we actually think that what America says, what Hollywood says, what the culture says, that must be right. We like what they like. And by the way, the world is tasty. It is good. It tastes really good. But I'll tell you, it'll kill you in the end. The reason why God brought Israel into the wilderness. Now, now I know we're not in any wilderness. But the reason why fasting and prayer was initiated even in the local church was God uses fasting and prayer change things internally that you cannot change by yourself. God says, I brought you. In other words, man, God began to open my eyes to the real purpose of hunger. I know when we think about hunger, and uh, it's a horrible thing, and uh, we, we think, but, but when, when you get into the 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and 6, where the apostle Paul says that food is for the stomach, but God someday will destroy the stomach and food. But he says, your body was created in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Your body was created to be a temple for the presence of the Lord. And he says, because your body has been bought with a price, glorify God, which is his body. It belongs to him, for you have been bought with a price. Now, in, second, or in the book of Daniel, I want you to see some things, and then I, I need to move on because my time is moving. Notice what it says, second, or, I'm sorry, Daniel chapter 10, verse 2. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. Basically, he was fasting. And I ate no pleasant food, nor meat, nor wine came into my mouth, nor did I anoint my head at all those three weeks that were fulfilled. Now, verse 5, and I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose waist was girded, and so on and so forth. And uh, let's jump down to verse 10. And suddenly the hand, this man touched him and made me tremble on my knees. And on the palms of my hands, and he said to me, O Daniel, man, greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you, and understand right, for I have now been sent to you. While he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling. Then he said to me, Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand. What is fasting and prayer all about? setting our hearts to understand and to humble yourself before your God. Your words were heard, and I have come because of what? Your words. Everyone say your words. How many of you know that when we pray, we need to use words? Let me tell you something. Yesterday, I was praying for a woman, and not in this church. She called me. She's having a physical issue in her body. And there was another person who asked me to pray, and I, I, I got on the phone, kind of a conference call, and I was praying. But this woman I was praying for, she does not attend this church, but she said to me, uh, Pastor, I'm, I'm, I'm open for you to pray for me, but I, I'm, I'm just wanting to let you know that I, I've just come to accept whatever God wants for me. God wants to heal me. He can heal me. But if he doesn't want to heal me, I've come to just accept it. And I said, ma'am, do you have faith in God? Well, I have, I believe, I said, what does faith mean? And I, I, I didn't, because I, I, 
And let me tell you what that, that, that's not faith, folks. It's called fate. Fate is whatever will be, will be. There's a lot of believers that believe, well, if God wants to do it, he can do it. He knows my address. He knows where I am. That's not faith. That's fate. I said, do you know what faith is? Faith requires you to use your words and to speak to mountains to be removed. Faith is about moving mountains that you have to talk to. There's an authority. Too long the church is, well, if God wants to do it. No, the Bible says that God is looking to and fro. He's looking for someone on earth who will agree on earth with what is in heaven. I said, I said let me tell you, I can pray for you, but I need you to agree with me, and we're going to speak to this mountain. Folks, how many of you know that when we pray, we need to speak? The Bible says here in Daniel that this angel was moved because of his words. I, I get so many, Pastor, I'm just not that kind of a guy. I just kind of believe in being myself and just kind of doing it my way. Well, that's not the way. First of all, Jesus isn't an American. And, and secondly, when we come, we come his way. We want to surrender our lives to him. Well, I'm just kind of shy. Well, get filled with the Holy Ghost and get converted. Amen. Come alive. I want to tell you, there's a word coming to this church, and it's the word in Ezekiel chapter 37 where God's going to begin to speak to the valley of dry bones, and these bones are going to rise up and come together and rise and become a mighty army in the earth. There's going to be a shaking, a whole lot of shaking, and the Bible says when the bones came together, there was lots of noise. It's in Ezekiel 37. Well, that's just kind of against my tradition. I'm used to quiet, solemn, religious. Well, that's not what God is. God's house is a house that's filled with joy, filled with faith, filled with words, filled with the kind of life that moves mountains. And notice what he says. When you set your heart to understand, I've come for your words. Notice what it says. But the prince of the king of Persia withstood me 21 days and beheld Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the king of Persia. Notice what this is saying. This angel comes to Daniel and says, from the first day you started praying, your words were heard. And I came, but I was alone. But because you kept fasting and praying, Michael, the warrior angel, came alongside and we took this giant out. In other words, prayer and fasting changes the landscape. It begins to rearrange the spiritual realm in such a way that natural things begin to line up with the kingdom and the will of heaven. And that's exactly what happens. He says, when you prayed, I came. I heard your words, but I was alone. But you kept praying. And at the end of 21 days, Michael came. By the way, Michael is the warrior angel in heaven. And he came, and they begin to fight. And notice what he says. He goes on. I love it down in this passage. I don't have time to read it all. But if you come on down... The Bible says that the angel strengthened him, touched him, verse 18. I love it down in verse 21. And I will tell you what is noted in the scripture of truth. No one upholds me against these except Michael, your prince. <laughs> Daniel hears this word from God. He says, I'm Michael. I'm your prince. Do you know that all of you have an angel working for you? He's your prince. Everyone say, I got a prince. You got a prince. And by the way, the same word, the same favor, the same kind of life-giving words that came over Daniel is what God wants to say to us in these next days. I believe God is going to open our eyes and give us wisdom. I believe we're going to seek the kind of breakthrough relationally in our families, in our finances. I believe God is going to begin to open our eyes to the high calling he has for us. 
See, the purpose of fasting and prayer was not just simply to anoint you, to bless you, and just to kind of give you all the jollies, although it can, but God wants to reward you, and he wants you to come into your inheritance. He wants to give you your mountains. He wants to bring you into the fullness. And fasting and prayer is what begins to move these things in the heavenly realm forward. Now, there are people right now, in the sound of my voice, there are loved ones, I believe there are loved ones here. There are loved ones in your life that you need to be saved. There's people that you know that you, they need a touch from God. Amen? Fasting and prayer is what begins to open some of those doors. Let me, let me just take you through some steps here really quickly. First of all, when we fast and pray, our approach towards your fasting, we need to have a positive attitude and faith and expectancy. Amen? We need to come with a positive attitude. Let's believe that we're going to receive. Number two, determine your motives for fasting. Examine your heart. Again, fasting is not about a hunger strike. Fasting, though, is coming before the Lord and say, Lord, I'm here to have you speak to me as I minister to you. It's really about really learning to hear and listen from the Lord. Fasting, and when you fast, determine your objectives. I think it's important to have a plan. When you're fasting, it's not, it, it is for spiritual renewal, for healing, for financial profession, direction, breaking bondages, the need to have clarity about the will of God for your life. We find this also in Isaiah 58. That God says he'll make a way, he'll open uh, our eyes, he'll undo heavy burdens. Number four, make your commitment to fast and pray. By the way, I'm not kidding you. I've, I've, I've made the decision to fast and pray, and the very next day, I broke the commitment. I think you have to make a decision and keep it. And I think we need to determine the length of our fast, the kind of fast you feel you should embark, determine how you will set time aside for prayer. And the word, by the way, when you fast and pray, that means you're going to give more time for prayer. It means that your agenda is going to be altered. But you have to make that time. Also, it's good to ask yourself, what kind of activities will you restrict in order to devote more time to prayer? Now, again, please, please hear my heart here. We're not talking about coming under some legalistic bondage. We're talking about setting ourselves aside to seek the Lord. The early church did this, by the way. They fasted and prayed. Acts chapter 13, 15, Acts chapter 2. The Bible says Jesus told them to tarry for 10 days in Jerusalem until they were endued with power. By the way, all those men, they had jobs too, but they sought the Lord. Fasting. <clears throat> I like this one. Find a fasting partner. How many have ever fasted with someone, like a spouse or a friend? By the way, that is awesome. Because as you have a fasting partner, it's amazing how you begin to share. And, and uh, also, it's great just for strength. And it's great for encouragement, especially when you're about ready to give up that partner. says, you're going to make it. My wife, my wife is a great partner, man. She says, Ray, you will not give in. You are going to make it. I mean, my wife really, she has a subtle way of saying, you will not quit. You will do this. You're going to do it, Ray. Well, I, thank God for a partner. I mean, I needed that because I want to tell you, when those Dunkin' Donuts are looking awful good, I need somebody to keep me on the straight and narrow. <laughs> no, my, she, by the way, she's not hard. She's very uh, sweet, by the way. Uh, number six, keep your prayer journal. By the way, when you fast and pray, write it down. I found, there were times in the early days of my prayer and fasting, I didn't write it down and I forgot some amazing treasures God was speaking to me. Write it down. The Holy Spirit will begin to download revelation to you that only comes. By the way, do you know that the Bible was a journal that all those prophets wrote down? We wouldn't have a Bible today if somebody didn't write this down. That's why we got a Bible. They wrote it down. You need to journal your prayer life. Some of you may never have thought of that, but it's amazing when you begin to journal it. You begin to go back and date it. You begin to see all that God does and what He's been speaking to you. It's an amazing revelation of how He's been leading your life. But you've got to journal it. Amen? 
Number seven, expect demonic or outside hindrances to, to deter you from fasting and prayer. Expect that. As soon as you, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you something. It's amazing. There's been times where I've been fasting and prayer and somebody comes up to me, Pastor Ray, hey, we want to take you to dinner tonight. <laughs> we want to bless you, Pastor. You were just a man of God. And, wow. And I have to say, you know what? I'd love to. Now, there's been times I haven't done that. There's been times, well, honey, I'll start next week fasting, but tonight I'm going to go. I've actually done that. But I want to tell you, it's amazing. More people ask me out to eat and even say I'll pay for it when I'm fasting in prayer. I'm not kidding you. I've had some of those crazy things happen. I don't know why. Maybe they're because they know they're going to get a no from me. I don't know. But uh, determine to wait on God and minister to him during this time. Acts 13, it says, as they fasted and prayed, they ministered to the Lord. You know, fasting and prayer isn't about what we can get from God. It's a time for crying out, Lord, I want to wait on you to minister to you. I want you to have my whole heart. I want to love you more. I need to draw closer to you. I present my body as a living sacrifice of worship. I am here to bless and minister to you, Lord. How are you? That's, that's what happens when we come to Him. So many people in their prayer lives, Lord, you don't know what I'm going through. I'm fasting and praying because I need this and I need that and I need that. And I understand God need, and we do need to come and it's okay to come with our supplications and petitions before the Lord. But it's also a time where we say, Lord, I'm also here to surrender myself and ask, what would you like me to do for you? How can I best serve and honor and glorify you, Lord? Because you've been so good to me. You've been so awesome. How many of you believe God's been awesome to you? See? What should you should expect from fasting and prayer? Four things in closing. Number one, you will be rewarded. God's going to answer you. He's going to speak to you. Now, I do believe we need to come with humility. We need to come with a good attitude. Amen? I want to just say this about prayer. It's important that we don't come to the Lord with a spirit of entitlement. Lord, you better do something. for I, that, that attitude is wrong. But we come with humility and we come with gratefulness and thanksgiving and with expectancy because He wants to love and bless us and give direction. I also think that when we come before the Lord, come with an open heart to hear something that might even involve an adjustment. Sometimes God may want to adjust something in your life. Does He have that right? Number two, fasting and prayer brings about a fresh understanding and revelation from the Lord. It's amazing. Remember in Daniel chapter 1 when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they fasted 10 days. The Bible said they had 10 times more wisdom than all the uh, magicians and astrologers in, in Nebuchadnezzar's court. Fasting and prayer open revelation and understanding to them. Number three, fasting and prayer alters and changes the spiritual landscape in the heavenly realms and calls warrior angels to assist in defeating demonic powers. It changes heavenly realms. If you have something in the natural that is a stronghold, I would just invite you to come into fasting and prayer with us these next three weeks. The last thing, fasting and prayer gives the believer the advantage in ways that could not be accomplished through natural or human means. It gives you the advantage. Amen? Amen. I know I went through this pretty quick, very practical this morning, but and I, know, I know I didn't answer every question. I do want to say this to everyone. If you are under doctor's care, you're diabetic, I recommend you do what your doctor says. You eat. For those who work hard labor jobs, I recommend you eat at least a meal a day. I know there's different kinds of fasts. There's full fast, partial fast, liquid fast, Daniel fast. These are different kinds of fasts. We recommend some kind of abstinence from food if possible. If, you have to, if you're going to only miss one meal a day, maybe for three days. Now we're 
We're, we, we know that not all of you may be able to go 21 days. Maybe some of you can go two days or one day or three days or five days. We're asking the whole church, if this is your church home, to give yourself to some seasons of prayer and fasting. We also want to let you know that this coming Friday night's our first night. And then for the next two weeks, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for the next two weeks, we will be meeting here on, uh, on, at 7 o'clock on those evenings. Amen? Let's all stand to our feet here this morning. <clears throat> Amen. I, I believe that God has great things in store for us. I want to just give you a little testimony. There is every time my wife and I have fasted and prayed, there's been two or three things that have happened, literally. I'm not kidding you. God has given us fresh wisdom. And it, it, the Lord will speak to you. The second thing, the Lord opens doors or He closes them. The Lord will open or close doors and He will literally speak to you that way. He will confirm His will to you. Amen. And thirdly, God will give miracles. And you'll see those things happen. He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Amen? Amen. Take your neighbor by the hand. Let's pray. Father, we thank You that in the kingdom of God, we as believers, Lord, have authority and we have power. Lord, you've given to the church keys and you've given to the church weapons that are mighty through God. And Father, we just now, we take the weapons of the Spirit through prayer and fasting. And Lord, we offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. We embrace weakness. We embrace even the fast. And Lord, we know that you're going to feed us with manna. Even when we fast natural food, you'll begin to feed us with a feast of things that we never even tasted before in the spiritual realm. Even in the emotional realm. I believe there's going to be people experience healing and wholeness in their lives. There's going to be those that are going to come into a place of rest and peace. And that Jesus is our peace and He is our rest. Even right now, you can have peace and rest without fasting and prayer. But I'm saying that there are strongholds the Lord can break in your life through fasting and prayer. Wisdom given. Understanding. Lord, we embrace the call to follow You, Lord. The call to fast and to pray. When we fast, Lord, we come to this season in this church. Lord, we seek Your direction. We come to wait before You to minister unto You. Lord, we believe that You'll speak to us. We humble ourselves in this season. And we thank You, Lord, for giving us this opportunity, Lord. Thank You, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.